And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hello everybody, what's up and welcome in to the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. It is Tuesday, October 26th and we are looking ahead to week 8 of the NFL season. If it is a Tuesday, that means it is Beat Writer Day. Here on the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast, we've got three beat writers joining us for this episode. We kick it off with Matt Fairburn in New England, our Patriots beat writer here at The Athletic. Matt, how you doing today? Oh, I'm doing well. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, this is, uh, you know, I, I'm not going to try to uh, get too crazy here. We're also talking to uh, John Machota, who covers the Cowboys, Arif Hassan, who covers the Vikings. They're a little bit more exciting fantasy teams than what the Patriots bring to the table, but... I do think there are some interesting things to get into with this team. So let's jump right in. I want to start with Mac Jones, who has had the two best games of his young career over the last two weeks in terms of uh, both yards per attempt and passer rating. So we like to see those efficiency metrics ticking up for a guy who probably isn't going to have a ton of volume the rest of the season. Over these last two weeks, is there anything you've seen, any meaningful changes in terms of scheme, personnel, whatever it might be that has led him to these performances? I think probably the biggest thing, and it's one that is, you know, something that they can carry forward is the fact that the offensive line has protected him quite a bit better in the last two games than they did in the first part of the season. And that's because they're getting healthy. You know, they had a a COVID issue uh, that wiped out a couple of starters for a game. Shaq Mason was out of the lineup for a little while. Trent Brown has missed most of the season. Uh, But they, they came up with a combination that seemed to work with them on the offensive line, which involved Mike Onwenu going out to right tackle. Ted Karras is inside at guard. And it seemed like that combination served them better. He had a couple of bad, you know, Mac Jones took a couple of bad sacks against the Cowboys, um, you know, where Randy Gregory got into the backfield in less than two and a half seconds. Other than that, the protection has been pretty good, and it was a lot better against the Jets. And that really allowed them to open things up and kind of, spread the ball around and and do a variety of things in the passing game. So I I think there's reason to think that they can carry this forward and that if the offensive line continues to block that way, that we'll see more of Mac Jones pushing the ball downfield, spreading the ball around and, and becoming a bigger part of this offense as the weeks go on. First 300-yard game of his career in that drubbing of the Jets in Week 7. And again, you go back to Week 6 against the Cowboys, nearly 11 yards per attempt. And then last week against the Jets, 8.5 yards per attempt. Definitely like to see numbers like that coming from a quarterback. Let's get into uh, the running back uh, situation here. Obviously, we know what Damian Harris is with this team. Patriots always loved James White. Always love having James White there, a James White type there, and they've been hunting for it, it seems, uh, ever since James White suffered that hip injury back in week three. Uh, Ramondre Stevenson seemed like he could be the guy. Now we see Brandon Bolden have a nice week seven game against the Jets. Are they going to find that consistent James White sort of player in the offense this year? 
It could be somewhat by committee, I think, as things always seem to be in the New England backfield. But what they like about Brandon Bolden, and you saw it, you know, he was their leading receiver against the Jets, had 79 yards and a touchdown. What they like about him is that they can count on him in pass protection. They can count on him to do the right thing, be in the right place. That's a big deal in this offense. That's, you know, something that if you're going to play that passing down role, you need to have those qualities. It's what made James White such a consistent part of this offense for so many years. And it's why Brandon Bolden has gotten that spot over young backs like J.J. Taylor and Ramondre Stevenson. I do still think they have faith in those those guys, Taylor and Stevenson, and that they'll work their way into the mix on any given week. But it's going to be hard for either one of those backs to carve out a consistent role while Damian Harris is healthy and while Brandon Bolden is healthy because those guys have built-in roles. And even early in the season after James White got hurt, it was Bolden taking those reps when they needed reliable pass protection. And I think that keeps him on the field. It keeps him somewhat relevant in the offense. And it does, you know, make Ramondre Stevenson and JJ Taylor a big time guessing game because, you know, we've seen really only one of those guys be active on any given week when everybody's healthy. And so as they bring those guys along, they feel like they have a reliable guy in Brandon Bolden who can, uh, you know, be a safety valve for Mac Jones in the passing game. And who can also, uh, you know, be, as reliable as any back on the roster in blitz pickup. Hunter Henry has uh, found the end zone in four straight games. The snap rate is going up relative to Johnu Smith. And, you know, we're in the fantasy world. We would love to see one of these guys become the clear number one tight end in New England. Not sure if it's ever going to happen, but is what we've seen over the last couple of games a sign that maybe Henry's starting to edge ahead of Johnu? I think so. I think Henry has a more consistent week-to-week role in this offense than Jonu Smith does right now. Last week, Jonu Smith touched the ball three times in the in the first four plays or was targeted you know, three times in the first four plays. They really made an emphasis to get Jonu Smith the ball, get him more involved. He ended up leaving the game with an injury, but they seem to want to design some touches for Smith as they should. He's a guy that can do a few different things. He carried the ball on Sunday. But Hunter Henry feels like he has a more stable role in the one tight end sets. And he's able to do a, you know everything that they want their tight ends to do as far as being in line. So I think Hunter Henry has developed a pretty good rapport with Mac Jones. He's one of his most reliable targets. He's going to be a little bit touchdown dependent at times because it doesn't seem like the volume of passing yardage is there in this offense just yet to, you know, support multiple consistent, you know, receivers. But he is the guy that Mac Jones is looking for down near the goal line, and he's making some great plays on the football. So I think eventually you could see John U. Smith see an uptick in production. But right now, you know, Hunter Henry has, has definitely – gotten ahead of him a little bit and we'll see what John o. Smith's injury situation is but that's another factor here as well so I think Henry is definitely the the guy to have right now based on his role and based on his health 
Tight end, wide receiver, doesn't really matter. It hasn't been a super productive passing game thus far this season. Jacoby Myers leads the Patriots with 390 receiving yards. That puts him on pace for 947 in a 17-game season. Uh, take the over-under of 900 and a half receiving yards for the Patriots' leading receiver, whoever it might be. That's a tough one. I, <laughs> I think I think it's going to be really close. I'll take the over because we're looking at a 17-game season. And Mac Jones is trending in the right direction. Jacoby Myers does have a pretty consistent built-in floor here. That's going to be close, though. There's Part of it is, like I mentioned, the volume isn't there in terms of yardage right now in this offense. But the other part is they spread the ball around so much. Uh, you know, 11 different guys caught a pass on Sunday, so it's hard for one, you know, to even pick which player is it that's going to crack a thousand. But I think with a 17 game season, I think I'll take the over there, but it is going to be close and it's going to be hard. I think for fantasy football managers to figure out who is going to be the guy on any given week, because, you know, Kendrick Bourne is dependent on big plays. Jacoby Myers has the built in floor and PPR, but he does not have a touchdown uh, in his career. He's still searching for that first touchdown. The tight ends are involved. On Sunday, it was Brandon Bolden leading leading the way as a receiver. So it's going to be a guessing game, which is what the Patriots want. They want defenses to have to play that guessing game. But, uh, you know, for, for fantasy managers, it's going to be a similar problem week to week, figuring out who to try to, uh, you know, plug into your lineup in this passing game because right now, Nobody is consistently doing it week in and week out. All right, the Patriots go on the road in Week 8 to take on a Chargers team that has been very good thus far this season. What are your early expectations for that matchup with the Chargers? I think it's going to be, in a lot of ways, one that could you know, define what the Patriots are going to be the rest of the way. And I think my early thought on it is that the Patriots are going to have a chance to control the game with their, their running game. If they can get it going the way that they did last week, the chargers have been one of the worst teams in the league at stopping the run. That is the Patriots chance to control the game and get out to, you know, a good start and kind of keep Justin Herbert off the field as much as possible. Bill Belichick was very complimentary of Justin Herbert when he spoke to reporters on Monday said he's going to be one of the best quarterbacks in the league for years to come. He's as good as he's seen come out uh, in a long time. So even though they gave him his worst game of the season last year, I think the Patriots still know that Herbert could carve him up if they give him a chance. But the way the running game performed against the Jets has to have them a little bit encouraged that they could translate some of that into this game with Los Angeles and try to win with a little bit of bully ball. And I think – you know, it's a, it's a good week to have Damian Harris as long as the game script, uh, you know, favors him because that's what we've seen in a few games is that the Patriots get behind and they have to throw the ball a lot. But I think if things go their way and, and they, you know, have their way about it, they'll be running the ball quite a bit on Sunday. Certainly could be a lucrative game for Damian Harris and his managers considering uh, just how poor the Chargers have played defensively against the run this season. That's Matthew Fairbairn, New England Patriots beat writer here at The Athletic. Matthew, thanks again for being with us on the Fantasy Football Pod. Oh, Thanks so much for having me.
Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Okay, next up on this episode of the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast, we head on down to Dallas and welcome on John Machoda, Dallas Cowboys beat writer here at The Athletic. John, thanks for joining us today. How you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, you got it, man. This is a fun team, fun real-life team, a fun fantasy football team. Plenty to talk about with the Cowboys coming out of the bye, taking on the Vikings on Sunday Night Football in Week 8. Let's start with where it all starts for this offense. Dak Prescott, uh, can you just give us an update on uh, the injury and where things stand for him at the beginning of this week? Yeah, things things seem to be progressing pretty well, considering that we saw him uh, on Monday at the Star uh, he didn't have the walking boot on anymore, and he was in really good spirits and certainly seemed like a guy that was preparing to play this week. And then uh, Jerry Jones just got done with his radio interview this morning and said that not only did it, does he feel good about Dak playing this week, but I thought it was interesting they noted that he has much less, he said, concern over this compared to what he had for the shoulder strain in training camp. So uh, that was kind of interesting because for the Cowboys, when you hear – calf strain you automatically think of two people you think of Zach Martin and how it like ended his season early last year a guy that plays through just about everything and then you hear of Michael Gallup is what you think of and Michael Gallup hasn't played since week one uh, but it sounds like it's not a, as significant as that so it certainly I expect him to be playing against Minnesota now all it is going forward is making sure that he doesn't aggravate it or possibly make it worse um, but yeah so in terms of this week though it sounds like he's a go all right, well, let's get to that other calf strain then. Michael Gallup, as you said, has not played since week one, but has been cleared to return. Uh, chances you, that he that he plays this week, if he does play, how does he mix into the offense that has you know added Tony Pollard as a key player, added Dalton Schultz as a key player uh, in his absence? What do things look like for Michael Gallup going forward once he is back for this team? I mean, the biggest, for me personally, I think the biggest reason the Cowboys have been able to have success this year is just because of how they've overcome the adversity that they've had when they've lost some players. And Michael Gallup is certainly, uh, if not top of that list, he's one of the top guys on that list. And with him out, just the way that Cedric Wilson's played as their number three, the way Dalton Schultz has stepped up, that I just don't see them, you know, having Michael Gallup kind of come back sooner than he needs to. So what I would anticipate is that he doesn't play this week. Uh, I think he returns to practice this week, but just does some individual drills. And then the following week is when I could see them potentially trying to get him back. But I would be very surprised if he played this week, just because he's going from not really doing anything with the team to then all of a sudden he's going to get in and practice on Wednesday and Thursday and then be ready to go on Sunday. If they needed it, like if, he, if they had like, if Dak Prescott had like the Lions wide receivers, then yeah, okay, sure. Yeah, we got to get Gallup out there. But because of yep. the way things are clicking right now, I don't think that they're going to rush him. 
You mentioned Cedric Wilson. You mentioned Dalton Schultz. Is there should, can we reasonably expect Gallup to come when he is back to just step right back into the role he had at the start of the season? I think so. I really do. I, I think he'll step right back in as that number three, and I don't think it'll impact Schultz that much. But I just don't see where there will be many meaningful snaps left for for Cedric Wilson. And then just from a fantasy fantasy perspective, it just it'll go back to the whole you won't know from week to week. Is this gonna be Gallup's week to have a big week? Is it gonna be CeeDee Lamb? Is it gonna be Amari Cooper? Is it Dalton Schultz? You know, and, and granted with the way that their offense is set up, there can be multiple guys, you know, that have good fantasy weeks, but it's just hard to, you know, really just bet on one of them guys having like Jamar Chase where you can almost count on him every single week. It just seems like every my brother has Amari Cooper in his fantasy league and <laughs> we talk about it all the time. It's like you kinda I I was telling him I go I, I go what you're going through or what Cardinals fans are going through or Cardinals fantasy fans when they see Zach Hertz goes over there just like there's enough weapons for our fantasy team. We don't need any more guys over here. So I kind of feel like that's the way it is. Like the Cowboys fans are loving it that they can do multiple things on offense regardless of what the defense wants but from a per- fantasy perspective it's just tough to know from week to week which cowboys receiver is gonna and even at the running back position with zeke and Pollard, it just it's so tough from week to week to tell anybody any of your friends that hey what's the fan what do you who should i play this week in fantasy for the cowboys it's like well take your chances with any of them i mean any one of them could go off obviously like cd did against new england yeah, for sure. And I mean, you love that. That's why we love Dak Prescott so much, right? Because if uh, he's always going off and it's the, it's the other guys who are filling in around him. Let's let's actually stick on Amari Cooper for a second here. That uh, 17 target week one game uh, is a distant memory at this point. Just 26 targets in the five games since then. He is tied for 37th among receivers in the NFL in targets this season. I mean, is it just because of the wealth of options that they don't have to force anything to anyone in this offense? It really is, and, and even on some of the plays in the overtime, you could see uh, against New England, you could see the way that even though he's not getting targeted, he's getting a lot of attention. And Dak Prescott, you know, he's had a lot of he has a lot of great strengths, but his greatest strength this year might just be the fact that he doesn't force the ball to anybody. He just goes with whoever's open. And so, if you're going to single coverage, you know, CD Lamb on the outside, which we didn't see a ton of last year because CD was mainly in the slot then Dak's going to throw it over there. And so that's opened up a lot more uh, for CD. But the thing is that with a guy like Amari Cooper is, okay, so then you are like at a point where you're like, okay, well, I'm not going to put him in my lineup. And then that's going to be the week that he goes for 100 yards and two touchdowns, you know? So it's like it's so tough to know from week to week. One of the other factors with Amari is he has been dealing with like multiple injuries. And that not just like little things, but things that he probably could sit out if he really wanted to. And I thought it was interesting because the team – uh, usually the day after all of their games on the team website, they post this like sounds from the sidelines and he made a play in the, in the new England game. There were a couple guys on the bench from the defense talking to each other. that were mic'd up saying like, man, and he's going through a lot. Like that's, that's impressive. He makes, he's making plays like that. Cause obviously they're seeing him in practice. They know he's not a hundred percent, but Amari's a guy that has said he had some of his best games at Alabama when he was hurt. And so because of that, he, as long as he can play, he wants to be out there. You talked about CD playing more inside last year than he did than he has so far this year. Does he bump back inside more often when Gallup returns? That's a great question. I mean, that's something that we're really interested to see down here because Michael Gallup's too good not to have on the field. The the one thing that I will say, and we didn't get to see much of it because again, it was just that first game. But yep. Mike McCarthy has really stressed about how in Green Bay he really, and this was a big talking point of his going into the New England game. It was. 
to go against a defense like Bill Belichick's, like you really have to have all your receivers be able to play every position because he's going to take certain guys away. So your number three is going to have to sometimes step up and be like a number one. And so that's why they've made sure in this offseason that they've they've kind of cross-trained all three of those guys at all three wide receiver positions for, you know, whatever the matchup is and the way it, it fits. So it could mean more Amari Cooper in the slot. It could mean more, more CeeDee Lamb. But I don't think that they're going to move back to just CeeDee Lamb, go back in the slot because he's just – he he's just too productive. I mean, he's too explosive. If he was in a different offense, I, I just think he would put up crazy numbers, and he still might this year. Um, but because of that, I, I don't think that they're going to move him all the way back there. I, the training wheels are off. Let him roll. <laughs> all right, Tony Pollard, double-digit carries in five straight games. He's had three or more targets in four of six games this season. Is it fair to say that this is his role locked in for the rest of the year alongside Zeke in the backfield? Yeah, for sure, and and – and the thing for especially for fantasy owners that probably that ones that have Zeke that also have Tony Pollard like you also should feel confident that if Zeke was to go down or let's say Zeke you know was they were going to give him a week off uh, because he was dealing with something like Tony Pollard can certainly step in and be the lead dog and put up significant fantasy points at the running back position it just he's not going to get that right now as long as Ezekiel Elliott's healthy and and this is going to be an interesting week for Ezekiel Elliott because of the fact that he had some of his best games last year when he didn't play the week before. And so him coming off the bye, I think he's going to be pretty fresh. I think they're going to lean heavily on the run game. Um, and so if things are going well for Zeke, Zeke's the guy. I mean, that's just the way he's piece of the identity. I mean, it, it was it, 2016, Zeke was the identity. And then over the last couple of years, it's it's elevated to where now it's, it's Dak is the identity. But Zeke is just still such a big part of it that they're not going to take him off the field, particularly in red zone situations. So as long as he's healthy – it's going to hurt your chances if you're putting Tony Pollard in your lineup. All right. As I said, right off the top of you joining us here, fun matchup in week eight with the Vikings on Sunday night football. What are your early expectations for that matchup from the Cowboys perspective? Well, because Mike Zimmer used to be on the Cowboys coaching staff, I'm sure he's going to have a, an excellent defensive game plan for them. Uh, and I expect it to be a close game, but I, I, I just don't see a defense in the NFL that this Cowboys offense can't put points up against especially when weather isn't a factor, you know? I mean, weather wasn't a factor in New England. I mean, yeah, it was a little chilly, but, I mean, I'm talking like rain and snow and wind. And and Mike McCarthy always calls them a dome team because they play inside most of the time. And, and that just go up to Minnesota. Like, I just don't see them having – there could be some adjustment periods early on in the game where maybe they aren't clicking all the way. But when it's all said and done, I just I, – I think this Cowboys team puts up 30 points. I just think that they're that prolific on offense that – Whatever you take away, you can take away for a little bit, but like you really have to play your almost a perfect defensive game plan against them to completely shut them down. I just I don't see it happening uh, with all these guys healthy. Fantasy managers are going to love this one. You've got two starting quarterbacks, two starting running backs, four starting receivers. It should be a very fun fantasy game for sure, and one that uh, has some big implications in the real world as well. Vikings definitely could use a victory of this magnitude to uh, feel good about where they stand in the NFC playoff race. That's John Machoda, Dallas Cowboys beat writer here at The Athletic, and also Cowboys fans, be sure to check out About Them Cowboys with John, our Cowboys podcast at The Athletic. John, thanks again for being with us on the Fantasy Football Pod. No problem, anytime. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. 
From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. All right, one more beat writer to visit with on this episode of the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. And fun enough, uh, he's the guy who covers the team that the Dallas Cowboys are going to be playing on Sunday Night Football. Arif Hassan, Minnesota Vikings beat writer here at the Athletic. Arif, thanks for joining us on the Fantasy Football Pod. Yeah, thanks for having me. You know, man, I, so I feel like every time, you know, we, you and I get together, we talk in the summer, we look forward to what this team's going to be like, and it's been true for the last few years. It's like the most knowable fantasy team in the world. It's Kirk Cousins as the quarterback, Justin Jefferson and uh, Adam Thielen as the receivers. Before Jefferson, it was Steph Diggs and uh, Thielen, and then it's Dalvin Cook, and it's those guys doing everything in the offense, and with the exception of Cook's injury, sort of the way it's played out again this season. Could we see anything new, any new wrinkle for the offense coming out of the bye this week? Uh, honestly, probably not. <laughs> yeah. um, I, uh, I I suppose that there are certainly worlds where Tyler Conklin becomes fantasy relevant. There have been some weeks where he has been, but that's not something I would make a play for or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I wouldn't be shocked if, you know, we saw Alexander Madison rotate in just a little bit more often in light of the fact that Delvin Cook has been injured. But again, that wouldn't move the needle for me if I was a fantasy owner, right? So, um, yeah, this is a fairly predictable, like you said, fantasy team. The only kind of area where I would be intrigued, especially like I guess in deep leagues, would be KJ Osborne, mm-hmm. who has earned a really significant role in the offense. This is the first time that the Vikings have had a wide receiver um, in one, two, and three positions in terms of targets since like 2009, back when it was like Percy Harvin was receiver three. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... You know, there's a possibility there. The Vikings don't like to throw the ball that much. They've found themselves throwing the ball more than they want to because of the close games they've been in. Uh, and so I imagine something like volume for a wide receiver three is never going to be all that dependable. But, you know, it, I imagine, I guess I haven't checked, but I imagine that Dallas is favored in this game, which means the Vikings will be behind, uh, which means that they will probably throw the ball uh, a fair amount, at least in this game. So um, KJ Osborne is is probably your best shot at kind of a, a wild card opportunity for some cheap fantasy points. 
Yeah, the uh, Cowboys did open as two-point favorites. Last I saw it bumped up to three, and I wouldn't be surprised to see it totally cross the field goal once Dak Prescott logs his first limited practice session of the week. Uh, we're just talking about that with John. He's dealing with a calf injury, but likely not to be much of an issue. So we could see that limited practice session for Dak come as soon as Wednesday, and then maybe we're seeing the Cowboys more sitting at like three-and-a-half-point favorites in this one. And that was actually something I wanted to ask you about. Is there enough meat on the bone, and not just for this week, but going forward for K.J. Osborne to be a bi-week fill-in fantasy starter? I don't think we can expect anything more than that, but can he be that? I think so. I mean, uh, I imagine that the the upcoming bye weeks are not as devastating as this last one <laughs> yeah. was. And so people aren't going to be as desperate to fill in. But I think he can be. It, it's just one of those where uh, if you play him, you should just be comfortable knowing that there's a possibility you only get one and a half points or, you know, it, it's entirely possible you could end up with 15 points. I mean, he has been pretty important for the offense, but a lot of that just has to do with stuff that's not fantasy relevant, like the gravity that he has, the way that he shifts coverages, things like that, which is not, you know, you don't get points for that, right? So uh, I, I think that he could be a bi-week fill-in. I think that, you know, he's probably going to be available on a lot of waiver, waiver wires, and if you're particularly hurt at wide receiver this week, you know, that that wouldn't be a bad direction to go in. But uh, yeah, for sure, I this is not a play where I'm just like, yeah, throw him in your flex in a fully <laughs> healthy week. That's That's not something I would be as comfortable with. Let's hit on the running back situation for a second, because over these last few years, uh, the Vikings have not shown any real appetite to not ride Dalvin Cook when healthy, and that has been true again this season. He had 20 carries in Week 1, 22 in Week 2, 29 against the Panthers in Week 6 before the bye, and 7, 3, 6, and 2 targets in the four games that he has played this season. So they haven't really shown much of an appetite to do that this season, but we were just talking with John Machoda, and they are riding uh, the Cowboys, that is, are riding Ezekiel. Elliott almost to the extent that they have in previous seasons but are working Tony Pollard in as a very consistent second back any chance or what's the percent chance that the Vikings maybe start to incorporate more Alexander Madison alongside a healthy Dalvin Cook and not just as a uh, break glass in case of emergency because Dalvin's hurt sort of player yeah, I, I think if anything, the touch total would drop from something like 30 to 25. Like, I, I can't mm-hmm. imagine that uh, they'll do anything but, you know, kind of rely on Dalvin Cook. I think in the games without him, they basically said after the game, like, hey, this would have been a lot easier if we had Dalvin Cook. <laughs> I think that, like, they're, they're fairly confident that, you know, he's somebody that they can just kind of lean on for, for the entirety of a game. So I, I think that their uh, kind of experience with Dalvin Cook's injury history has kind of pushed him in a direction to, to rotate him in, and even then, they've been kind of hesitant. I, I imagine that, given that he's just coming off of an injury, that we'll see a little bit more Alexander Madison. Uh, but again, not in any meaningful way that I think would would adjust anybody's roster. Like, if he, if he vultures a touchdown, I'm sorry for the advice I just gave, but I think <laughs> right. for the most part, we could be confident that, that Madison is maybe a 5-7 to seven touch guy in this game. Vikings defense has been a little bit better this season, seventh ranked in terms of EPA. And you look back at what they've done so far this season, the results have been pretty good. You held a a Russell Wilson Seattle offense to 17 points. They held the Browns to seven points. Go back to week one, even against the uh, Bengals, 24 points or 27 points. You know, at the time that looked maybe a little bit ugly, but that offense clearly has uh, found another level this season. And they really made Joe Burrow in the passing game work for those 27 points. Not a particularly efficient game out of Joe Burrow. So the question here is, uh, can this defense be a problem for offenses from a way that would make us think about certain players in the fantasy world? 
I think that the prior should be that they're a fairly good defense, but I think there's a lot of reasons to worry. I think that, you know, not having Patrick Peterson for these three games, I think is going to be pretty huge. I think that, you know, he's been a big part of the reason that that defense has been effective as it has been. Uh, And I think if you take a look at kind of the last few games, you take a look at the Baker Mayfield game, the Sam Darnold game. And, uh, and this is a totally qualitative, you know, throw out my subjective, whatever, if you want. But my feel of watching those games is less that the defense played well and more that, you know, Baker Mayfield played uncharacteristically well. Sam Darnold played uncharacteristically unwell. I mean, there were like 10 drops in that game, right? So, like, I don't know that I would feel confident that the defense is performing at the level that the numbers are indicating. And I think that there's some, you know, possibility that, you know, they, they drop off a little bit. Um, I think that the bigger problem, of course, is, is losing Patrick Peterson, who I think mm-hmm. is one of the more important members of that play, uh, of that defense. It's not getting a ton of talk. Um, but I, I think also they've been a little lucky. I mean, I, I, I don't recall a game where, with as many receiver drops uh, as the one against the Panthers. So I, I think that there's a possibility that that defense falls off. I think that their true talent level is probably not seventh, but I think that this is something where you anchor them at their EPA per play and then kind of move them based off of these subjective factors. So maybe instead of a top eight defense or a top 12 defense or something along those lines, certainly way better than I expected heading into the season, but but not, I think, as good as the numbers indicate. All right, and even if we are thinking about them as that sort of defense, we're talking about making you think twice against fringy sort of fantasy players, not locked-in fantasy starters, like pretty much the entire offense they are going to see on Sunday night football against the Cowboys. You're obviously starting everyone that you would always start on both sides of this game. What are your early expectations for the matchup? Yeah, I think the Vikings will be kind of forced to throw the ball, uh, like I said, a little bit more. Um, my my feeling is that the Vikings, you know, they were doing really well with the short passing game. They're doing really great at mitigating pressure. Uh, and as a result, they consequently had a very low explosive play rate. They had um, a lot of short passes, low depth of target. And over the past couple of weeks, you know, against the Panthers, against the Lions, that changed. I think that they want to go back to the play action routes that they had, uh, which I think means more deep passes. So I think that there is a possibility that we'll see you know, uh, a little bit more uh, air yardage volume for for players like Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen, who have both traditionally been, you know, deep targets for the Vikings. So I think that there is um, a good chance that we see a, a little bit more in terms of points in this game than you typically would have going in. Uh, it wouldn't shock me to see Dallas win. I mean, the Vikings have just a nuts schedule heading in, but we should also note that uh, the Vikings have played close games against everybody but the Seahawks. And that includes, you know, what some people think is a really good Carolina Panthers team. I don't know. Uh, and of course, a definitely good Arizona Cardinals team. Um, they've, they've been in close games a lot. And so I think that there's uh, every possibility that they'll be in it into the fourth quarter, which I think for a lot of people means fantasy points for everybody but the running back. But that doesn't matter with these two teams right. in a close game. They'll, they'll definitely use the running backs. Yeah, should be a very fun way to cap our Sunday. Probably more than a few fantasy matchups going to be decided when the Vikings and the Cowboys get together on Sunday night football. That is Arif Hassan, Minnesota Vikings beat writer at The Athletic. Arif, thanks again for being with us on the Fantasy Football Pod. Yeah, thanks for having me. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
All right. Our thanks to uh, beat writers Reef Hassan, John Machoda, and Matthew Fairburn for joining us on this episode of the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. We now turn our attention to your emails. That's right. We're turning the second half of this show in the second half of the season into a mail bag. So be sure to send us emails uh, all week, tafantasysports at gmail.com. We'll tackle some of the best ones that we can get into the show. And when I say we, I mean me and Brandon Funston. Funston, what's going on? Uh, you know, um, doing all right. Just, uh, you know, I feel like I need to apologize to the national audience for my Seahawks <laughs> and having to play Yeesh. in national televised spots with Geno Smith at quarterback. So, uh, my apologies. We're sorry for the product you've been forced to, to be subjected to <laughs> the last couple of hey, weeks. Hey, man. Uh, the team I root for, the Chicago Bears, has been <laughs> on primetime way more often than they deserve. Over yeah. the last many years, so uh, I know I know the feeling of going into a primetime game and just knowing that your team's going to embarrass itself, cover <laughs> itself in anything but glory, and put up like ten or thirteen points. So that's just that, that's that's life yes. without a quarterback, uh, which you have not had to worry about for about a decade here. But so maybe now, this is maybe this is what it's like to be maybe a Bears fan. Okay. This is what it's like. This is exactly what it's like <laughs> to just have absolutely nothing at the quarterback position. And actually, that's a pretty good transition into uh, our our mailbag here because we have one question from uh, Nick L, uh, who uh, has been starting Lamar Jackson all season. Ravens, one of the two teams on by this season. And Nick says that Lamar is the only quarterback I have on my roster. Top streamers available look like uh, Tua Tungavailoa. The Dolphins are at the Bills. Trevor Lawrence, uh, the Jaguars at Seattle. Carson Wentz, the Colts are hosting the Titans, and then Danny Dimes and the Giants, that's a Monday night football at the Chiefs. So if you're looking at Tua, Lawrence, Wentz, and Danny Dimes, Funston, who's your favorite one-week streamer this week? Boy, that is a – those are kind of all my highlighted best of the likely availables. Um, I will tell you, I think Carson Wentz is the very safest of the plays. I mean, he's been, he's been two touchdowns week in and week out for a while now. Uh, showed out very well on the road against a good San Francisco defense. And you get Tennessee, who I think, you know, that defense looked better than they really are against Kansas City, weirdly. But I don't think this is a great defense. So I think he's safe. Uh, I might, honestly, if you're going for upside with Trevor Lawrence or Daniel Jones and, mm-hmm. and, you know, I know you may not have the luxury of waiting, but it'd be nice to know what Daniel Jones is working with in terms of an arsenal. Right. Uh, but since you can't wait, man, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I think Seattle's defense, uh, they don't get a lot of pressure on the quarterback. And so that's key for Trevor Lawrence. And he's been running. He's getting a, a regular, you know, pushing 30 rushing mm-hmm. yards each week. And I, I, I might lean towards Trevor Lawrence as uh, maybe my upside play here. Yeah, Lawrence would be my first pick here as well. Like the matchup with Seattle, like the fact that he has been running, as you point out, has had a couple of nice games throwing the ball in a row, definitely seems to be developing a really nice relationship with Marvin Jones. And then on top of that, you throw in uh, the fact that they are coming off a bye. So uh, have had some time to rest, get the body right, and get ready for this game against the Seahawks. Trevor Lawrence would also be my top pick. I think I ranked the four... I'm going to go Lawrence, Wentz, Danny Dimes, and Tua. And the Danny Dimes behind Wentz is mostly because of what you said. We just This is Monday Night Football, and we don't know who 
he is going to have available at the wide receiver position did not have Kenny Galladay, Kadarius Toney, or Sterling Shepard in Week 7. And that could be the case in Week 8 as well. And realistically, we're not going to know. We're definitely not going to know before waivers process. And maybe you're not the only person streaming at the quarterback position or looking for help at quarterback. Uh, and so I think that's what, what pushes Danny Jones behind uh, Carson Wentz for me. Yeah, and we, we both put to a last. I mean, I it's just the defense, you know, yeah. and he did face in week 17, I noticed, last year, and he threw 57 times. <laughs> and, you know, it could be that. Could but, happen again, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, we've seen Tua fall into the 57 pass attempts where it's, you know, 5.6 <laughs> yards per attempt, mm-hmm. you know, or something ridiculous mm-hmm. like that. Uh, could be a lot of dinking and dunking. And, again, we don't know if he'll have, like, Devontae Parker or Will Fuller at his disposal as well. Yeah. Um, all right, next question from Ross B. Ross is looking for some help with Allen Robinson. What's a fair asking price for Allen Robinson at this point, Ross asks. And then he also has another receiver question. Rashad Bateman or Michael Pittman for the rest of the season? Let's tackle that Allen Robinson one first. I mean, is there even an asking <laughs> price? I think more likely than not, you just have to hold on to him and hope for the best because while he's been – Truly terrible, and I mean that Chicago. I, I, I want to put it less on him and just say the Chicago offense, the Chicago passing game has been truly terrible. I'm still not in the market of unloading Allen Robinson for like thirty cents on the dollar just because of the possibility of something clicking for him and Justin Fields over the second half of the season. Yeah, I was going to say if you had a stethoscope, just check for anybody with a heartbeat, and you'd make that deal, right? Like it's. Mm-hmm. I, I think you're right. It's like you know, there's not there's not going to be a market for Allen Robinson. Yep. Not nothing. So you're you're better off holding. I, I don't think I'm at the point where I'm ready to completely cut him, but I'm certainly yep. at the point where I'm going to tuck him down at the bottom of my bench and and you know cross my fingers that we start to see a little bit more of a pulse from the Chicago offense. But that's kind of where you're at with this. You're kind of stuck with this. If you had to, you could cut him loose. Uh, you know, someone else will, would probably try him out. But if it's more of the same, you're gonna they're gonna try him out for a you know a test drive of a week or two, and then cut him loose again as well. I just I don't know if it goes from zero to sixty ever with Allen Robinson this year. So that's that's what you you don't have to worry about cutting him, and then all of a sudden he's going a hundred yards and one to two touchdowns every week. It's just not gonna happen. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But whatever someone would be willing to give you back for him. Personally, I would rather just hope things suddenly click rather than getting some like you know top fifty wide receiver for Allen Robinson. I'm just, I'm, I'm just not going to do that. How about the other the other part of this question? Rashad Bateman versus Michael Pittman rest of the season. To me, this is pretty easily Pittman. Yeah, uh, like I said, Carson Wentz is look good to me, um, and he's kind of settled in with Pittman sort of being the number one. Ty Hilton was there and sort of you know took a little bit of a backseat to Hilton that week. But I think whether you're whether you're fighting to be the number one in Indy or you're probably the number three in Baltimore at best. And I, I, I just want that that guy fighting to be the number one in Indy. Yeah, uh, totally with you on that. Let's get to our next question. This one comes to us from Andy D. Andy wants to know who's the one player, the player you're most focused on trying to acquire via trade right now. Uh, someone jumped yeah. jumped to mind to you. Got to think of someone who's also acquirable, right? That's something we talked yeah. about last week on um, can't remember whatever episode that was with you, me, and Jake. But like, <laughs> well, it's I don't very... know if my answers changed from that. I might just go back to that answer. Uh, yeah, and 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 who was that answer? Maybe Andy, Andy can't <laughs> think that Andy D listens to every single word that comes out of your mouth, Funston. That's kind of like how Jake does. You remember Funston when you edited my column in week two <laughs> in <laughs> July? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was like, oh yeah, I got instant recall of all that, Jake. Uh, no, so we. We were talking about it and I 
I, I threw out Melvin Gordon because it feels like Javante Williams is is the buzz leader of that backfield and, you know, has the higher street value just because he's the, the shiny new rookie toy. But nothing has changed in this timeshare in Denver week in and week out. It's basically a 50-50 split, and there's no inkling that that's going to change in any way. And so if that is what we're stuck with, that Denver that Denver schedule down the stretch is fantastic. And um, Gordon's cheaper than Williams. You basically can get the same value because they've produced at the same level. You get the same value for cheaper with Gordon than with Javante Williams, most likely. So to me, I think Melvin Gordon's a very nice target if you're looking to kind of maybe give yourself a little bit more uh, depth insurance at the running back position or just a usable body that can you know provide some upside. Here's someone who I'll throw out, and uh, I talked about him a little earlier with John Machoda, our Cowboys beat writer. How about Amari Cooper? I mean, you know, it's been a fine season for Amari Cooper, but it certainly hasn't been one where he's lived up to expectations. He's 37th among receivers and targets on the season. He had 17 targets in the uh, first week in the first game against the Buccaneers and has had 26 in five games since then. Michael Gallup is on his way back, maybe not back in week eight, but likely back in week nine. So maybe the targets become even more of of something of a question mark for Amari Cooper. And so I acknowledge that in trying to make a trade for him, but at the same time, he's still in a very high-powered Dallas offense tied to Dak Prescott. There's going to be some big games for Amari down the line. So I think this is a guy who is gettable and also has a very identifiable ceiling. That's someone who I would look at in the trade market right now. So Andy, if you need a if you need a wide receiver, maybe consider making a move for Amari Cooper. If you need a running back, Melvin Gordon, he's not exactly uh, the flashiest guy out there, but he is definitely gettable and is going to uh, retain a meaningful role in Denver's offense. Certainly, as Funston said, does not feel like Javante Williams is pulling away from him anytime soon, maybe not at all this season. One more question to get to Funston, and this one is a waiver question. It comes to us from Jeff S., and Jeff wants to know, uh, Kenny Gainwell, Boston Scott are both available in my league. Which one of these guys would you go after first? Well, first of all, go after them with tempered enthusiasm. Um, this is a backfield that drove you crazy with the number one guy being Miles Sanders. So you don't imagine that it's going to get better with Sanders out of the equation. Whoever takes over is more more than likely to drive you crazy just as much. You just don't have as much invested in that person. So don't go crazy in fat bidding, but I kind of lean Boston Scott. I like seeing him get the goal line carries. He's also not just strictly a run-only guy. He can certainly help you in the passing game. I think they might lean on him more in the running game as well. So, if that's the case, I don't think he'll be completely negated in that in that role in the passing game. For that reason, I think I'm tending to lean a little bit toward Boston Scott's way. Okay. I'm actually leaning a little bit toward Gainwell just because I think he's maybe the better player. Um, I, I feel the Eagles know what they have in Boston Scott. They went after Gainwell for a reason. Boston Scott really hasn't had anything of a role in the offense while Miles Sanders has been healthy. I hear what you're saying, but I just feel like we can maybe see a little bit more Gainwell, especially for a team that is two and five almost certainly not going anywhere this season. Maybe they want to see what they've got in the fifth-round pick that they made this year. So I'll take a shot on Gainwell, but I agree with what you said first and foremost. Let's keep our expectations in check. This is not a great offense. It's not a good team, and it is uh, one that was frustrating even with the starter in there, Miles Sanders, both frustrating from a usage standpoint and from a production standpoint. So keep your bids in check. This is not 
Chuba Hubbard or Damian Williams or Khalil Herbert or a Devontae Booker, even it is not someone like that. We are definitely going to want to take a step or two down from those running back claims that we made earlier this season. And that's going to do it for uh, this, uh, not only this mailbag segment, but for this episode of the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. Please keep this mailbag segment in mind all week. You can throw us emails at tafantasysports at gmail.com. We'll be hitting four, five, six, however many we can get to every single Tuesday for the rest of the season. For Brandon Funston, Arif Hassan, John Machoda, and Matthew Fairburn, I am Michael Beller. We will talk to you soon. This show returns on Wednesday. We've got a full slate ahead of you. Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday shows coming to lead you into the weekend. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you later.